This is episode 10 of the Manga Mavericks podcast from allcomic.com. We are a podcast dedicated to not only talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton. And I'm Sid. And uh, thank you guys so much for uh, for downloading the podcast and listening, like always. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, double digits. Double Pretty digits. Great. Yeah, but we're finally old enough to... Uh, what what do you what are you old enough to do at ten? I don't remember. Become a Pokemon trainer. Oh, that's right. I've... We're gonna be the very best, and no one ever was. <laughs> to read manga is a real test. To podcast about them is our cause. Oh, oh my god! You know what? <laughs> ah, ah, that's, that's so beautiful. <laughs> I'm crying. You should be on American Idol, Sid. Oh uh, no, I wouldn't get. Like pass, like uh, you know what? You, yeah, well, I'd be one of those weirdos who tries out for American Idol just to like sing super really badly so that they get <laughs> on TV. That's pretty much what happened. Like in the later seasons, people would come on there just to like be so freaky and sing so weirdly that they'd have to put them on TV because it'd be like TV gold. Oh boy! Uh, plus, you'd have to come up with a whole big like sob story and stuff, you know, to to make the audience feel sorry for you. Then you'd have to deal with Simon Cowell. I'm pretty sure he's still on American Idol. I haven't watched him. No, he's not. Oh, is he I'm not? Like, American oh. Idol is not even on TV anymore. It's done. Oh, is it done? Oh, that's right. That's right. This was their last season. But you know what? I always regretted never watching the episode where that guy sang the Jigglypuff song for his audition. That was a thing. Yeah, that was a thing. <laughs> Oh, I might have to look that up later. Uh, that sounds pretty funny. The only person I remember from American Idol was the, um, was the Shebang Shebang guy. I think that was the song he sang. I don't remember. I haven't watched American Idol in like 10 years, so shows you how much I know about American Idol. I'm sorry, guys. I know that's why you listen to Manga Mavericks, because, you know, you're so interested in, like, you know, my, my knowledge on everything American Idol. Oh boy. So anyway, we got enough news this episode, I think. A lot of licensing stuff. Like, Seven Seas just decided, hey, maybe we should talk about all, like, the hundreds of things we licensed this week. That's so what I thought was, thought was pretty funny. Um, before we get into that, though, Sid, have you been reading anything? Because, um, I'll be honest, I haven't gotten the chance to read much. I know it's not exactly very shocking, but, you know. Yeah, actually, I, like I said before, I was reading Pokemon Adventures. So I kept reading that. I finished Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum. Overall, I thought the arc was really good, but Platinum definitely feels rushed because mm. like, Platinum doesn't even fight all the frontier brains in the end. She just fights four of them. Mm-hmm. And then there are also like a lot of side characters who don't get developed uh, as much as I think that the manga that the like mangaka were trying to initially. Like there's. That girl with the shaman, I forget her name, Marley, I think. Like, she becomes an important character in the climax, and she has, like, some appearances before that, but she wasn't, like, that prominent, so it kind of feels weird when, like, shaman becomes important in the climax of the arc. Hmm. But overall, I thought it was good. I like the Pearl Platinum version of Team Galactic in the manga. They're more interesting than Team Galactic in the games, because, like... Cyrus actually has a goal that makes sense. Okay. And hmm. he also has a good character arc. And I also like the manga's version of Giratina because it's a flat-out villain 
who, like, kidnaps Dayaka and Punky and tortures them, and then, like, goes into, like, normal world to, like, destroy it and everything. So it's, like, I like Giratina a lot. Mm. Giratina's, like, one of, Giratina's, like, one of my favorite legendary Pokemon, so I kind of like seeing, like, the Pokemon Adventures version of it be so, like, evil, kind of. I see, I see. And then one utter disappointing thing, though, about the Diamond Pearl Platinum arc is that, uh, Zerd... Like, Surd is a villain that was, like, built up since the Fire Red Leaf Green arc. I and see. And then she, she was revealed to be, like, a, one of the Team Plasma executives in the Diamond Pearl arc. But then, like, in the Platinum arc, she's, like, not even there. Like, I don't know what happened to her. <laughs> like, I guess after Riley, like, if she and Riley fought, like, I don't know, she disappeared somewhere. She probably went to the same bar that Lunch did. Yeah, I guess. It's disappointing, too, because she owned Darkrai, and, like, she used Darkrai in the Fire Red Leaf Green arc to, like, turn the main characters into stone, and so the entirety of the Emerald arc was them trying to, like, find a way to free the other Pokedex holders who were turned into stone. Okay. So, like, she owned, like, a legendary Pokemon, and that was interesting, but in the Platinum arc, Darkrai is, like, just hanging out in the distortion world for some reason, so that... That was kind of disappointing. Mm, I see. But anyway, after that, I started reading the black and white art. And it's pretty good so far. I'm like a third of the way in. I really like uh, White because she's... she's I like uh, a lot of the, the female characters in the Pokemon Adventures manga because they ha- usually have like interesting like professions that are like different than just being a trainer. I see. Like, so in White's case, she trains Pokemon to be actors... So she runs her own, like, Pokemon talent agency, (laughs) and so she, like, she, like, uh, rents out Pokemon to, like, these film and television companies for them to use in, like, TV and movies and commercials and stuff. Mm -hmm. So she, like, has an interesting kind of career that kind of plays into the whole, like, uh, movie maker thing that was in the games. Okay. During the black and white. Uh, games, so that's, I thought, I think she's pretty interesting, and I kind of like her dynamic with Black, because she's basically his boss, because of a series of events, Mm. she has a good relationship with him, she's not like, like, there's this moment in the arc where Black needs to evolve his Tepig to win win a gym battle, but Tepig and, like, but his Tepig and her Tepig are, like, her two big stars, in, like, her commercials, and she gets a lot of work out of them, so she didn't want him to evolve his Tepig. But it, in the end, he, he does. He has to. But she doesn't, like, berate him for it. Okay. She just finds a new angle to market the Pokemon. Hmm. And she always puts, like, the event or the performances above money. There's this moment later on where, like, there's these, like, gifts that they were going to give out to the audience and like, this Pokemon musical. Okay. But, like, they weren't going to get there on time, and the alternate method to get there them on time was too expensive for the company to afford. So White pays the expenses herself, but she's not, like, she doesn't have the money, really, to do that. She'll be, she's going to be in debt, but she cares so much about, like, making the musical a success that she does it anyway, and she doesn't even hesitate to do that. So I like her character a lot. So overall, like, the protagonists in the arc are really interesting. I think the one weird thing, though, is that Team Plasma is kind of more obviously, like, sinister in this arc <laughs> than they were in the games. Like, in Team Plasma, like, in the games where, like, 
kind of morally ambiguous because they wanted to free like Pokemon from trainers. They were doing like wrong things to do it, but there were like times where you could tell that some of these people like had good intentions. But in like the manga, a lot of the time it's pretty obvious that they're just like full of crap and whatever. But and then N is like way more over the top in the manga. Like in his first appearance, he's like literally crying because he saw people use Pokemon in a battle. Like literally, there are tears like flying out of his eyes. It's so ridiculous. And he's also really creepy in the manga version. So that's kind of weird. But overall, I think it's a good arc. Okay, that's, that's very, very odd stuff. Should probably should probably read Pokemon Adventures sometime. Oh yeah, it's great. Especially if you're like a big Pokemon fan. I think my sister might actually have the first couple of volumes. I need to borrow those from her. Actually, speaking of um, stuff for reading, I didn't get a chance to read too much this week, but uh, I, Colton, am making a bold declaration that I am going to read the first volume of Tokyo Ghoul before the next episode of the podcast. That's, that's the right reaction, thank you. Um, yeah, I... Did you also buy the, like, digital bundle from Wiz? I was thinking about it, but I... See, here's the thing, like, I want to try Tokyo Ghoul, but I, I kind of only want to buy the first volume, because I don't know if I'm gonna like it, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want to buy a bunch of manga only to be possibly turned off by the first volume, or not like it. I don't know if I'm gonna like it enough to, like, want to actually read the rest, so... What I was wanting to do was I'm probably going to buy a digital copy through, like, the Amazon Kindle so I can read it on Comixology. I've been buying volumes of Case Closed, actually, that way, and it's so weird. It seems like, I don't know if it's like this with all of his titles, but, like, every time I go to buy a volume of Case Closed on Amazon through the Kindle, it, um, Amazon Kindle seems to be selling volumes of Case Closed in particular for, like, $2 off than Viz does on vizmanga.com. So I don't know if it's like that with all of their manga on there, but I don't know. Like in this case, I'm, I'm just kind of buying it on, I'm just kind of buying it on Amazon because I, I have, I have Amazon money and I'm like, I might as well just buy it on there because I just have money on that account. Plus I like reading stuff on Comixology anyway. So whether it's cheaper there or not, it's just kind of more convenient for me is what I'm trying to say. But yeah, I, I think now that I finally have a little money to spend from work, I think I'm going to finally buy some Tokyo Ghoul and maybe kind of talk about my first impressions of that on the podcast in the next two weeks. Yeah, that sounds cool. Like, I also, like, got the Viz manga bundle, so I'll also read volume one. Okay, so, oh, so you haven't read it yet. No, I haven't read it yet, but I got the, like, manga from bundle, so I can. I'm going to read it, like, Okay. Time. I mean, I don't know how long we'll spend talking about it, because I don't know how much I'm going to have to say, but I, but I figured maybe it was time to maybe, like, discuss some kind of particular manga title on the podcast and not just have it be about news all the time. You know what I mean? Tokyo Ghoul episode is finally happening, people. It's fine. I don't know if it'll be a full episode, but I do want to have some kind of discussion, though. That much is certain. Yeah, look forward to it. I will say I am a little apprehensive just because people who listen to this podcast know that Tokyo Ghoul is a, it's a hot property right now. Apparently, it, it's selling quite well along with One Punch Man. But I I don't want to judge a book by its cover because I hate doing that. But I I just have this feeling that I'm not going to like it. But I'm hoping I'm wrong. Why do you say that? I say that because like I feel like Tokyo Ghoul is popular because it's it seems like people probably like it because it's quote unquote edgy. 
you think that's a wrong uh, assumption to make, Sid? Am I just being overly critical of a manga that I haven't even read yet? Well, I'm sure there are people who do like it just because it's edgy, but I think that it's really stu- only stuck around because there is something of like merit and that's value true. to it that is like worth like digging into and experiencing. Mm. Yeah, I-, I can agree with that. But you know, all my apprehensions aside, I do want to finally at least try it and talk about it on the podcast because we just we can't get away from it. It's just the hot thing right now. Yeah, I mean, it's like Attack on Titan. Like it, Attack on Titan, there were a lot of people who liked that just because, oh my god, people die, like, in every episode, or whatever. Oh my god, it's like the Walking Dead of anime. Oh my god, Titans are just zombies, glorified giant zombies, but, like... I thought they were giant naked people. <laughs> I mean, they're, they are. They're, bas- they're both that and zombies, basically. Well, see, I would actually disagree with... I mean, Tokyo Ghoul is very big right now, but... I don't think it'll be Attack on Titan big until the anime finally airs on Toonami. True, but that's not what I was, like, going. I was, like, saying there are definitely people who only enjoyed Attack on Titan because of its quote-unquote edgier elements. But at the same time, there's still plenty of substance behind Attack on Titan that's, like, worth reading and giving a fair shot. And that's ultimately, like, what draws a lot of people to it is that underlying, like, humanity in the story. And you can see that in the difference between reactions to Attack on Titan and then Cabinary. Like, Cabinary is entertaining, but it's, like, kind of like a fluff, like, popcorn, like, action stuff. It's not really much to think about or really, you can not really get invested with the characters as much, but... It's just, Cabinary is just a fun show. Yeah, but Attack on Titan does give you, like, substance to the characters. It does give you a reason to be emotionally invested in the story and the world. And, like, there are problems with Attack on Titan. I, I don't think it's nearly as great as a lot of people. And I think that there are problems with it. But there is a lot of worthwhile stuff in it. And it's worth reading it and giving it a fair shot before you judge it. Because there's a lot of good in it. Yeah, Attack on Titan's not empty. If it were, like, completely empty, I feel like it wouldn't have the fan base it has over here. Yeah, if it was empty, it would be a one-season wonder. After it aired, people would immediately forget about it and not speak of it again. But because yeah. there is substance to it, you still see a huge amount of fans. Anytime you go to a con, anytime you talk about anime online, it's basically one of those anime that's even reached the mainstream. Like, people who don't otherwise watch anime are going to, like, know about Attack on Titan, at least in name only. So there is, like, something about Attack on Titan that really speaks to a lot of people. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I can agree with that, even though I, I definitely agree that, yeah, there are some problems with it, and personally, I'm definitely not as invested in the characters as I am with the world of Attack on Titan. I find the world of Attack on Titan a lot more interesting than the characters overall, but again, those are just my personal tastes. But anyway, yes, I I will read the first volume of Tokyo Ghoul before the next episode of the podcast. I have to say it on the podcast, otherwise I'm going to forget. I'll probably buy it sometime this weekend, maybe next week when I get paid. But anyway, so... I don't have a transition for this. I found some pretty cool stuff online the other day from Kodansha, involving the author of A Silent Voice, another manga we can't ever shut up about. Do tell. So, uh, Yoshitoki Oima, I guess Kodansha recorded a video of her drawing the two main characters. In person. It's really cool. Sid, you should leave a link for it. Oh, 
I will. And it is super cool. She does it in ink too. So like every stroke counts and it really shows what a like precise and skilled artist she is. It's And like the video is sped up. It's not in real time, but still like just how precise and meticulous every brushstroke is and how it all comes together. As an artist myself, it's just so inspiring and so good. You know, it's funny. <laughs> I was watching the video and I noticed there were frames where I could tell like there were already a drawing on the page. Like I thought she was just drawing it all from memory at first, but then I saw pencil lines on the signboard that she draws on. And at first... <laughs> I can't believe I thought this. I feel so stupid. I thought at first she was tracing over something. <laughs> but then I then I realized, oh, she's like you said, she's she's inking. Yeah, I just I felt so dumb for thinking she was tracing over another drawing. I just I just thought that was kind of funny. I just wanted to share that. And be- and how clean the lines are, like, it shows a lot of confidence in her brushstrokes. Oh, yeah. Like if she was, like, a, even a little bit, like, hesitant about the any line, it would look shaky. I mean, that's a, that's something that even I can get the, uh, tripped up about when I'm drawing, but, like, it's definitely very inspiring. Like, she's also such a young artist, but she's really, really skilled, and she makes such beautiful work. And she's actually very pretty, too. Yeah, I mean, she's young. She's in her, like... I think she's only, like, 27, I think. Oh, man. 26 or 27. Wow. She's super young. Oh, wow. Man, that's that's amazing. So, not only did Kodansha put up a video of her drawing the two main characters, apparently you can also win this autograph. Yeah, you can win the drawing that uh, you see her drawing in the video. And by, like, going to this, like, survey and just filling out some questions. They're basic questions, like... You know, that are in every survey, like, uh, what's your name, or whatever. And then the most important, and, like, where did you find out about A Silent Voice? Where did you read it? And then, like, also you can leave a comment for Oima, like, and talk about, like, what you got out of A Silent Voice. So I made sure to leave a, hopefully not too long a comment about how much I got out of A Silent Voice, but... Yeah, definitely do that and, and, like, tell her, like, how much the story meant to you, if it really connected with you, because I think that she'd enjoy reading that. And so the contest is open until, like, July 6th, I think. July 7th. July 7th. So you have plenty of time uh, after this episode comes out to go and fill that out. And uh, good luck to you guys. Oh, man, I really want this. I really hope I win. I really hope I win. If I win this, I'm going to cry. I'm not even kidding right now. I want this so bad. Video of you crying if you do win it. Uh, you should post a video of you crying. Oh. You leave it as a link. Oh, I don't... Uh, no promises. Maybe I'll make... I don't know. Maybe I'll make a, a, a funny... Sure. I don't know. Maybe. I'll think about it. Think about it. Uh, but I want this so bad. So, yeah, all, all you guys listening to this podcast can have a chance to go take that survey on the uh, Kodansha page. We'll, again, we'll we'll leave a link to the page, including all of this, where you can take the survey, you know, uh, including the video and everything. So don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, for more assigned voice uh, fun, you can read this great interview, the first English language interview with Yoshitoki Oima, done by ICV2 that recently was published. And it's a great, like, look into Oima's thought process behind making a silent voice 
and what she wanted to get out of it. And it's a really fascinating piece that puts a lot of context behind like how the story was developed. And I highly encourage you to read it if you really enjoyed the story. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see all this stuff coming out for Oima and A Silent Voice, because this manga definitely deserves all the press it can get. I'm hoping all of this will maybe lead to like a North American theatrical release of the movie when that finally comes out. Oh, that'd be amazing. Knowing where I live, it'll it'll probably be in a theater that's like, you know, 20 miles away from where I live. But you know what? I would travel at least 50 miles to see the movie, maybe, depending on if I had work. Yeah, I'd definitely make a trek myself to see it if I had to go out of the way. Yeah, because... Thankfully, though, I live in for most of the year in New York, where, you know, anime screenings are usually in the area. So I don't think I'd have a problem. Yeah, lucky for you. So I did miss out on only yesterday when that got a theatrical screening earlier this year and i wanted to go try and see it later but like the only theater that i could go to was like three hours away by metro train and i had like work to do and i was like no oh man yeah i have to get that on dvd sometime instead but yeah Yeah, i i i kind of had to miss out on that too um, but mostly because I didn't have a lot of money on me, and I kind of wanted to use what little money I had to go see The Boy and the Beast. Mm-hmm. That, that that was totally worth seeing it in theaters. I unfortunately did not get to see that because I went on spring break to Oaxaca. But oh, then, yeah. again, then again, Oaxaca. So that was pretty great. Oh yeah, you talked about that on the show before, I think. I might have. I, th- I, I think remember. you did, I don't remember. <laughs> Good thing we record the show. Yeah. You can go back and look up in whatever episode of March where I talked about that. But no, Sid, you should you should really see that movie. I would say, and I know this is kind of a tangent, I would say that, I would say it's not as good as Summer Wars in my opinion, but I would say I probably enjoyed this movie more than I did Wolf Children. Hmm. Overall. Okay. That's just kind of how I rank most of his films. People have been kind of up and down with Boy and the Beast. Like, I've seen people who absolutely love it, and some people who think it's Asada's worst, but... I mean, the movie does have its issues. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. It does have some moments where it's like, why are we here? What, why is this important? (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, it's, I still enjoyed the movie very much. And I feel like the characters were pretty solid, all things considered. Definitely, I want to see it. For myself sometime soon i think it's like finally out on dvd blu-ray so i'll probably pick that up sometime yeah i'm i'm hoping if uh if if no one buys me that for my birthday i'll probably have to <laughs> pick it up myself but anyway we should probably move on to the uh, new york times best-selling list yes this is a new york times best-selling list for the week of may 22nd to may 27th the last week of may pretty much okay okay and coming at number one is a series that we haven't seen on here for a long time. Yotsuba! At volume 13, number one, first week on the list. Good for you, Yotsuba. Yotsuba's great. And then... Man, I, I hate to admit it, I've never read Yotsuba. Oh. I know. The sins of the fraud of a manga reader I am, that wasn't a sentence. Yeah, I need to get on that at some point. Yeltsuba is so fun and charming. Like, Man. Kyohoku Asuma is, a really, is probably one of the best like slice-of-life manga artists, like between Yotsuba and Azamangadayo. But Yotsuba is like a league above Azamangadayo. Hmm. Yeah, Azamangadayo, I've actually never seen a read that either. <laughs> oh my god, man! I know I'm horrible, okay? We've established this. But 
I am really surprised to see this at the top of the list, actually. I'm not. It's been like two years since the volume was published in North America, and Yotsuba has always been extremely popular. So, w- was Yotsuba just on hiatus, and that's why we're finally getting a volume, or...? Yeah, Yotsuba was on hiatus for a long time in Japan. Oh, okay. It was a big deal, like, when the Japanese release of Volume 13 finally came out. Like, that also topped the charts then. So I'm not surprised that it's uh, on number one for its first week out here, too. Over in the U.S. too. Mm, sh- shows you how much I know. I didn't. I didn't know it was so popular over here. Actually, <laughs> man, since it's popular, I guess I'm gonna have to read it now. Mm-hmm. Yotsuba episode indefinitely. Okay, fine. So at some point. And then we have another Yen Press title at number two, Black Butler Volume Twenty Two, first week on the list. I'm not sure what uh, chapters are in this volume. I remember I watched the, the first season of the anime and thought I don't need to watch anymore. <laughs> I mean, not that I thought it was bad, I just, I don't know, like, I just, I didn't really like it enough to continue, but uh, maybe I'll read the manga at some point, I don't know. Blackwater doesn't really start, really, to pick up for me until the Book of Circus, and that's when you slowly get more of a sense of where the character arc is going. I see. And he becomes less like, like when when the manga starts, the L is a pretty horrible person. It's hard to like it, but Mm -hmm. as it goes on, like he gets more of a character arc and he kind of changes and also his his relationship with Sebastian starts to kind of change. And so it kind of develops and becomes like much more fleshed out and better series with better characterization as it goes along okay okay i I just don't remember like the chapters that were in like we're probably in this volume it's probably i haven't read like black butler in a bit so i don't know i definitely think it's probably it probably is the start of the most recent arc which has to do with the weird like idol group (laughs) what in like victorian era britain so that's yeah, kind of a, weird for str- sure it's a strange arc definitely hmm, my favorite part of black Butler is still the cricket game because that's the only time i've ever seen a cricket game in a manga <laughs> <laughs> and then huh. at number three we have the ever popular always present tokyo ghoul volume one on this list now for 47 weeks good for you tokyo ghoul we'll be reading you soon and then <laughs> at number four we have another, like, mainstay on this list, One Punch Man, with Volume 6 on this list now for four weeks. And right below it, at number 5, One Punch Man, Volume 1, on this list now for 39 weeks. A third of a year. Almost there to a full year. You go, One Punch Man. At number 6, we have uh, 20D7, The Seven Musicians, Volume 5. I've heard of this series. I don't know anything about it. Me neither. Neither do I know much about the next one, Devil's Line, Volume 1, which is coming at number 7. But it's Vertical's only title on this list this week, so good for Vertical. And then at number 8, we have Noragami, number 14, uh, on this list now for two weeks. And I need to start reading these volumes. (laughs) And then we have Monster Masumi, I Love Monster Girls, number one, at, uh, on the system for two weeks, and it's at number nine. And I think this is like a spinoff of Monster Masumi. It's basically like an anthology kind of thing. Yeah. They they don't, like, list it on there. They just say anthology, so. That tells me it's probably like a collection of stories uh, written by different people and drawn by different artists. Yeah. Probably. 
Uh, Monster Masume, so another one of those series that's really popular. I don't think it's as popular as it was when it first came out. I, somehow it's really popular, yes. Yeah, but good for you, Seven Seas. It's like the, their only title on this week's list. And hmm. then uh, rounding off the top ten is another Tokyo Ghoul volume, number six on this list now for six weeks. Tokyo Ghoul, man. Tokyo Ghoul. This list in particular has a lot of different titles from like a lot of different publishers. It's not just Viz or Kodansha, you know, taking over the list. Like we got stuff from Seven Seas, Vertical, Yen Press, like. Oh yeah, this is one of the most diverse lists in a while. Like the two big ones on this list are Wiz and Yen Press, but like Kodansha got has a rep, Vertical has a rep, Seven Seas has a rep. Pretty nice, pretty diverse. Good stuff. Yeah, so that, that's always a good thing. It's good to see more than one manga publisher do well on these kind of lists. Yeah, it's a good sign for the industry, like when everyone is starting to do well and not just the big dogs. Yeah, exactly. But speaking of lists, we we still got some more lists we need to talk about here, because uh, we got the top-selling manga in Japan by series in the first half of 2016. Ooh, We're not going to read the whole thing, because like there's like 30... Of these, yeah, it would probably take a uh, take a whole episode. Uh, so let's just kind of talk about the top ten here. So, right, you want to do it in like from bottom to top, or like just top to bottom? Start with number. Yeah, I'm just gonna do it from the bottom here. So at number ten, we got uh, My Hero Academia from uh, Kohei Horikoshi, selling two million one hundred thirty six thousand five hundred ninety one volumes. Mm-hmm. Anime seems to really boost its sales. I yeah. think that My Hero Academia is, like, going to really be hitting its stride now, and we'll be seeing it, like, in the top ten uh, at the end of the year, and we'll, we'll and it'll, all, and it'll probably start its rise, hopefully, to, like, being a new, like, big title for Jump. That would be nice. I mean, I hope My Hero Academia does really well, because it, it really did have a pretty good start, at least over here. I remember it, like, I think I remember My Hero Academia over here, even before the anime on one New York Times bestselling list. The first volume, I think, ranked at number four. Or at least when it uh, when it first was released. Yeah, it had a strong start over here from the beginning in terms of like sales. So it's yeah. definitely like a popular property, and so I definitely hope that uh, it's popularly both in Japan and internationally, like just continues to grow as the series continues to grow. I hope so. And then at number nine, we got a uh, Tokyo Ghoul Re, which is essentially the sequel series for Tokyo Ghoul, selling two million one hundred seventy nine thousand three hundred three forty five copies. So that's it's not too bad. And then um, at number eight, we have Erased, which uh, I'm not too surprised is on the list considering the anime that came out earlier in the year. I'm surprised it's so high because it wasn't even close to the top 30 before, like, the anime came out. The anime, like, juggernaut in its popularity. Like, it just exponentially increased it. I mean, hey, that's just, that's that's the power of anime for you. Uh, yeah. Basically, it sold 2,332,110 copies. Mm-hmm. Then we got One Punch Man, which is uh, usually a pretty popular title, selling uh, 2,553,331 copies. Mm-hmm. Seven Deadly Sins, selling 2,712,499 copies. Good to see that, even after the anime had already ended, that it's still like really selling strong, because the... Recent chapters have been so good, so good. Gotta hmm. get back to reviewing that. I guess I should start reading that, too. I sound so defeated. I guess I gotta read that, and that, and that. You're getting uh, crushed under the weight of your backlog. Uh, yeah, no kidding. It's just like a gigantic, like, 
pile of manga that you're carrying on your back like Atlas and yeah. carries oh. the earth and you're just trudging along a long, endless path <laughs> hoping to finally sit down so you can read these manga but you just can't. The finish line is just out of sight and so you inch your way closer and closer but the end never comes, Colton! The end never comes! <laughs> I really, I really hope you find the time to animate that part of the show because that would be really funny. Oh yeah, that's so good. Okay, so speaking of my never-ending uh, backlog, th- this is a series I've been seeing a lot of people in my Twitter bubble read lately, and like I see people constantly talk about this one. A uh, kingdom selling uh, three million five hundred sixty-one thousand four hundred eighty-nine copies. So, uh, yeah, I should I should read that at some point, too. It does look pretty cool. And that's one I've been meaning to get into for a while. Like, it, And it seems to only be continuing to get popular. Like, oh, even no though kidding. it doesn't have any anime for a long time. So, you know, mm. I have to imagine that, like, the recent like material has just been really strong for it. So I gotta get into that. Yeah. And then we have uh, Haikyuu selling uh, 4,016,578 copies. Yay. For Haikyuu. Yay, yep. Hopefully the- it does well for Wiz over here. So we can I- get more sports manga. Yeah, that would be nice. Um and then we have, unsurprisingly, Attack on Titan selling four million three hundred and seventy thousand nine hundred and forty one copies. Mm-hmm. Titan still sounds strong. And then we have uh Assassination Classroom here. Um not very surprised. Uh ranking number two here, you know, with, with, with the anime still going, I think at this point. I well the anime's coming to an end soon, isn't it? Yeah, by the end of the month, it's going to be over. Okay, and then, um, I mean, the the manga also just ended, so... Yeah, and it was a yeah. good ending, too, so, no, I mean, definitely not with it over. A lot of people have heard about it and are flocking to it and reading it up, so I'm definitely... I'm happy that it's number two. Yep. Because good series with a great ending. Oh, yeah. Uh, selling 4,391,966 copies, and then, uh... Sid, can you guess what number one is? I bet you'll never guess. Uh, number one. Mm. Series that starts with one. One Punch Man? No, that already happened. Uh, yeah, no, no, One Punch Man is not so good that it'll rank twice, Sid. Come on. Uh, oh, Bleach! Bleach is still popular, right? That's gotta be number one. Long-running Shonen... With, that goes on forever and ever, like Bleach, right? Come on. It's got to uh, be. Uh, I, 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 no. No, I'm sorry, Sid. Uh, the, correct, the, the answer we were looking for is One Piece. What? I would have never guessed that. One Piece being the highest-selling manga in Japan? Wow. It's not like it's the highest-selling manga of all time or anything. Wow. Mind blown. Blown! <laughs> no, I, I never would have expected it either. Um, kind of, kind of a jump from Assassination Classroom, uh, selling 6,470,105 copies. Yeah, it's generally not that close between One Piece and its, like, most recent competitor. Yeah, like... like the closest it's been is, like, when Attack on Titan was at its peak of popularity, when it was getting numbers almost as close as One Piece, and then that, of course, that one time where it actually sold more than One Piece. But, yeah. Yeah, that was just one time. That was a fluke. Yeah, one, that was just one semester it did that. 
and and then at the end of the year, One Piece was back on top. But yeah. Uh, but but to answer your question, Sid, because I know we're all wondering it. Uh, Bleach ranked at twenty two. Oh, yeah. I mean that's still pretty good when you think about it, right? I mean that's the top thirty of what like a thousand manga being published in Japan. Pro- probably more. Probably more than that. <laughs> we give Breach a lot of crap, but you know it, it's still around for a reason. Yeah, I mean people still like it. It's, it's it's not it's not like everybody hates it though. That's what it seems like most of the time. Let's see. I don't think there's anything in particular that I'm like interested. I mean, obviously, I was kind of interested in how Gintama was doing. Gintama looks like it ranked at number seventeen. Yeah, still so, selling so strong. There's a couple series that I find interesting that have made it all into the top thirty this time. Yotsuba, you know, only just released a new volume, but it's like already at the bottom of this of the top thirty with like nine hundred thousand volumes. And then Dakashi Kashi, that anime just came out, but it seems to do really well for it because it's on here at number twenty five, beating JoJo's of all things at a million. And I'm a hero that uh, great zombie manga that like getting a bunch of hubbub lately. That's also on here at number twenty seven with uh, nine hundred and eighty two thousand copies. So there are a couple mm-hmm. of interesting like uh, placements for series on here. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much the list. So I guess uh, you, you want to talk about the top selling light novels in Japan? Sure, because I know a bunch about light novels. <laughs> but yeah, uh, let's talk about those. Uh, at number ten. With 263,357 like, sales, we have ReZero from Katakoa. And I, I know a th- lot this of... This has an anime out right now, right? This has yeah, an anime out right now? yeah, this has an anime out, which I see a lot of mixed opinions on the anime. People either love it or, like, hate it. Really? There's there's like there's like no in between. It's really weird. I kind of want to watch it because people tell me it's funny, I guess. I don't know. It's like, I just, I see a lot of people love it, and I'm like, I don't understand why. It's really weird. But then again, like, I don't really know anything about the premise, so. I'm surprised it has mixed reactions, because I've, I've been looking at, like, the A&N, like, top, like, series of the week, like, that are based on the, like, reader, like, survey results on the top of their reviews or whatever. And, yeah. And, like, I've seen it, like, top those, like, lists every week, so I thought it was pretty popular, but... I mean, it is. I'm just saying, I've personally seen a lot of mixed reaction. But th- that's not to say it isn't popular, because it is... I know a lot of people are watching the anime right now. Yeah, I guess it's like Cabinary. Like, that's, like, a, a lot of people are watching it, but, like, people are mixed about actually how good it is, or why it's good. And yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then at number nine, with 280, 586 sales, we have Kuhaku Yoko Renshu. And I don't know anything about. I, this. I don't know what that is. Neither do I know anything about the next one. Uh, Bokyaku Tante series at number eight with two hundred ninety-seven thousand four hundred fifty-nine sales. Well, the the word Tante is in the title, so I'm assuming it's about a detective. Oh, Nizi Oisin. Yeah, he he writes Monogatari. Okay. Oh, huh. That's that's interesting, huh? Okay, I get it. So he's like, he's a popular author. So uh, I don't think that one's been animated, though. So I'm sure it'll probably be at some point. Oh, yeah, especially considering how popular the Monogatari series is. Mm-hmm. And then at number seven, we have Grimgar of Fantasy and Ash with 302,013 sales. And, yeah, that's... That had an anime that came out last uh, season, and it was... 
Did people like it? I thought people. I think people liked it. I saw some people liked it, like it, but like I've I've seen mostly like lukewarm reactions about it. Like I don't. I I didn't run into a lot of people singing its praises. I'll just say that. Well, okay, but if you did like it, it's selling well in Japan, so you might get a second season. So you know. Good for you. Yeah, well, see, see now, n- number six, I know, I know, was pretty popular for a time. Oh, number six, I've actually, like, watched the anime of, and I really enjoy. Number six, we have No Game, No Life at 300,004 and 721 sales. And, yeah, that's a series I really enjoy that I really hope they make a second season of, because I, I found it very entertaining, really funny, and really hmm. interesting series. Okay. Yeah, hmm. so that's one. That's that's when I also want to read the light novels of, and I think those are being published over here. So definitely at some point I'm going to do that. Wow. And then at number five, we have the ever-popular Monogatari series at 308,471 sales. Man, Monogatari's not at the top? Man. Hmm. No, it's surprising. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't, like, watched any of the Monogatari series because you hear conflicting opinions about them. Like the people, like the people that I, you know, usually like talk with seem to all hate it. But then I go and see, read a lot of like critical reviews of it that really praise it. And I'm like, you know, eventually I just need to watch like Bake Monogatari, like the the one that seems to be the most praised myself. And like, well, I've, I've seen all of Bake Monogatari and I can tell you that, uh, uh, Man, like, it's not, I don't think Bakemonogatari in particular is bad, but, um, the, the problem I have with, uh, with the anime in particular is that there's, I don't know if this is gonna make me sound stupid or not, but there's a lot of talking. Like, there's a lot of talking. A lot of it, a lot of it, a lot of it. And, I don't know, like, th- th- that's, that's kind of a, that, that is a, I guess a constant complaint I see uh, with people when they talk about Bakemonogatari is that there's there's just too much talking and there's not there's not usually a lot that happens but I mean Bakemonogatari in particular I know has its fan base and I know a lot of people who love it the anime at least is really nice it's really well animated it looks really great at least but I've seen a lot of screenshots of the, of times where the characters like twist their neck and weird ways though they have a lot of broken necks or rubber necks or whatever yeah i mean it's i don't have i don't have a problem with the monogatari series i mean it's just you either love it or you hate it just just like i said earlier with ray zero there's like no in between with this okay then well i'll just have to judge it for myself at some point in the indeterminate future now the next one i know i'm not gonna try and have anything to do with (laughs) because sword art online progressive at number four, it was 321,535 sales. And, like, I know, I think Progressive is about Azuna, and Azuna is probably the best character in that series, but it's sort of online, and I'm not a fan, so... Hmm, yeah, me neither. I'm sure that there's something of interest in it compared to the main series, though, because at least Azuna is the main character, I think, in that one. Cause I think Azuna so, is yeah. a better Azuna is a better character than Kirito, even though Azuna gets the shaft most of the time. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. And then we have at number three, Irregular at Magic High School with 371,886. And uh, yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot of people who are fans of this one. I heard a lot of criticism of it when it came out. So... Yeah, I've, I've, seen, I've seen it around. Yeah, I, I'm 
eight <laughs> and the number two don't seem to be seem to be very like uh, uh, what's the word like mixed theories in terms of audience like who likes it who loves who likes it who doesn't but uh, I've heard more negativity about this and number two we sort out online at 489,374 sales than I have like positive things yeah I've watched sort out online like I've watched both seasons. And I don't know why I watch both seasons. You got farther than I did. I watched five episodes before I realized this is boring. <laughs> you didn't get to. You, you, yeah, you, you quit while you're ahead. You quit while you're in the boring stuff and not the offensive stuff. I will say, I'm, I'm kind of interested in maybe re watching it through the dub because there are actually a few actors in the dub that I really like. So I might watch it just, for, just because of that. But otherwise, yeah. I enjoyed the dub more just because. I don't know, the vo- some of the voices weren't as annoying. See, unlike everyone else, I actually like Bryce Pappenbrook. I've seen a lot of people who don't like him, but I think that's just because he voices Aaron Yeager in Attack on Titan, and I know a lot of people don't like the Attack on Titan dub, what? but... Really? Uh. I've, hey, yeah, I've, I've seen... I know there are people who don't like the dub, and it's just kind of like, whatever, I, I like it, I don't, I don't know. I thought it was pretty good, I don't know. Yeah, Bryce Pappenbrook is, is a big name. Like, especially these days, he's in a lot of stuff. Like, I like him. I mean, I don't have a... I don't really get people have a problem with him. I think people have a problem with him just because he's the main character in shows like Sword Art Online and Attack on Titan. And, like, they don't like the characters, and they project, like, there's this like of the characters onto him. That's, that's so probably it, yeah. Judging his performance, so... Yeah, that's that's probably it. But hey, jokes on that. Bryce is getting a lot of work, and he's getting like super big roles. So yeah, snap. yeah, snap my fingers in a Z formation. Uh, what's number one, Sid? Uh, number one. Now this is actually surprising, both as just both in, just in terms of the series, but also in like the difference in sales between it and number two. And uh, at number one, we have Konosuba, God's Blessing on This Wonderful World, which was recently licensed by Yen Press, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And had and uh, earned 57,412 sales, which is like significantly uh, more than number two sort of online. So, yeah, that's pretty surprising. I guess the anime was extremely successful in Japan, and that really boosted its sales. See, I'm glad, because I, I remember we, we talked about this, I think, the last time we recorded. I, I actually, I watched the first episode of the anime, and I actually thought it was kind of funny. And I would like to watch more of it when I have the time, because I actually, I liked the first episode a lot more than I thought I would, because I remember... I remember Crunchyroll really pimping it out at one point and like constantly tweeted about it to the point where I was like, I guess I'll try it. And I, again, I, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah, I've heard a lot. I mean, I've heard mixed things from like people I know, but. Oh, I've no, me too. Really good things from like uh, reviewers I like. Like, uh, Digibro likes the series, uh, Mother's Basement likes the series. And I respect their opinions a lot. So I think at least it's worth a try for me. I might be up my alley, so I'll give it a shot sometime. Because yeah, from what I, I understand, it's a series that's full of, like, really... Uh, characters who are really brought down by, like, idiosyncrasies and kind of all terrible people. And I kind of like shows like that sometimes. <laughs> like, I like yeah. South Park. I like... We're on one half. Like, there's a lot of characters who are kind of terrible people in some way. <laughs> and I, <laughs> that's one of my favorites, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the light novelist. The pretty interesting stuff there's a lot of stuff that is popular like over here and some stuff that still has to make it over here 
But yeah, yeah, pretty interesting list actually. Um, but we should probably. I wish I read more light novels, though. I I don't because I already have way too much manga to read. <laughs> yeah, but I'd like to know something about light novels so I can talk about them more. Yeah, we probably have people who are like, "Oh, these guys don't know anything about light novels." Like this was what I thought. Eh. I don't I don't know what voice that was. We should probably talk about the um, the Amazon Japan list that uh, we found. Right. So we're not going to go over like the top selling manga by volume list from Oricon because you know we don't really have too much to say about all of that. Like there's a lot of similar titles like in the top 10 and we're not gonna go to like the whole top 50 or whatever and like pick out like the weird stuff that got in whichever way but the amazon list is kind of interesting because it breaks down what's most popular in print and what's most popular in kindle on their website and it's a, and the results are, are kind of different from uh when you look at the like oricon top list so there's some interesting stuff here. We have at number 10, Umimachi Diary, Volume 7. We have Hyuakosu Kikozu, Volume 4, which is a series by Hiromu Arakawa that I actually have not read. It's interesting. Huh. I, I, I don't think I know anything about that one. That's yeah. interesting. Huh. And then at number 8, we have A Bride Story, one of my favorite manga currently running, by Kaori Mori, at Volume 8. Oh, wow. And we have at number 7, Konu Manga Ga Sugoi Comics Tund Saitama. And I don't know hmm. what that one is, but... It's probably some kind of, like, behind-the-scenes, how-to-make-manga kind of thing, maybe. We got Saint Young Men at Volume 12 at number 6, which... That's cool. I, I, I wish there was a way to read that, because I hear that's a pretty funny series. Yeah. And then Attack on Titan, Volume 19 at number 5. Then at number 3 and 4, we have One Piece, Volume 8 at number 3, and One Piece, Volume 8 at 1 at number 4. Attack on mm. Titan, Volume 18, at number 2. And guess what's number 1? It's Yotsuba, Volume 13! Yotsuba is Man, very popular. Yeah, people apparently love their Yotsuba. I am so out of the loop. And it's interesting because uh, when you look at the Kindle uh, version of this list, it's pretty much completely different, though. Because... At number 10, we have One Piece Volume 80, but then at number 9, we have My Hero Academia Volume 8, which is on, not on the print list at all. Neither was Takashi Kashi Volume 4 at number 8, or Golden Kami Volume 6 at number 7, or Tokyo Glory num Volume 6 at number 6. Bright Story Volume 8 was on the print list at number 5, but Neon Genesis Evangelion Volume 14 was not at number 4. And neither was Kingdom Volume 41 number 3, or Boku, Raki, and I, Maji, a.k.a. Erased, Volume 8 and number 2. So there's a lot of differences here. And number 1 was Attack on Titan Volume 19, which I guess that's not available in print yet. Or No, it is. I mean, the the the, the, the similarities between this list is that uh, One Piece and Attack on Titan aren't going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're going to take away anything from it, is that considering the crossover between the two lists... Attack on Titan and One Piece definitely seem to be, like, the big mainstream stuff. But Bride Story also oh, is yeah. doing very well being on both lists as well. Mm. So that's good for Bride Story, because Bride Story is great. She definitely deserves more attention. Maybe I'll get an anime one day, who knows? I, I've definitely seen Bride Story around. I think I might have actually... I don't know, I, I feel like I've seen at least a volume around. I I didn't know it was I didn't know it was that good. Yeah, it's great. The artwork is beautiful, Kyra. 
is this really skilled and detailed artist, especially like with fabrics. And also she does really painstaking research, like with her like settings to make like really believable, like historical, like period piece manga. And so it's just bright stories are like looks into where like various like different like themes of like forms love can take as well as look as the role of women in like a society where they're not necessarily supposed to be like on equal grounds with men but they're still treated like well so it's really interesting look at a culture and a and a period in time and a whole bunch of great teams all like brought together with beautiful like artwork that really captures a sense of wonder and like really paints a great picture of like this world so it's like it's a it's a masterfully made manga karamori is an awesome artist and yeah i definitely recommend mm, okay. people read it because it's great mm, okay okay but uh anyway sid uh we got some Tesca stuff to talk oh, about. Oh, and boy, do I love me some Tesca. And what I love more than Tesca is people celebrating how awesome Tesca is. And California Gallery, or specifically the Gallery Nucleus in Alhambra, California, is doing just that, holding an official exhibition to celebrate the 70th anniversary of Tesca's career debut, as well as the 40th anniversary of Unico, his cutest manga about a cute little unicorn. And that's gonna and that's pretty awesome. And so the event is currently just in its planning stages, but it's gonna show tribute art for 30 different artists and display rare memorabilia, selling exclusive Tesca merchandise and teamed refreshments and giveaways and a raffle and it just seems like a great fun time. And so the exhibition will be open from October 8th to October 23rd and man do I wish I lived in California so I could attend this. <laughs> uh, too, too bad. Too bad you, uh, you're, you're going to be all the way in New York. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I can't, like, fly out to, like, California, because that wouldn't make financial sense just to attend this gallery. But if I could, I would. If I could, I would. <laughs> well, maybe maybe one day, Sid. Uh, but speaking of, like, convention gallery stuff, here's a news bit that, like, I just, like, got word about. Breaking news! And yes, that's Yusei Matsui is coming to New York Comic Con. What? And yeah, he's coming to New York Comic Con. <sighs> and I'm excited because I'm definitely going to New York Comic Con this year. <sighs> so I get to attend like a panel with Yusei Matsui. And I might get him to sign <sighs> a copy of like one of the volumes I have. <sighs> so that's going to be freaking awesome. So it's a good trade-off. And I am very happy about this. <sighs> Sid, Sid, yeah. Sid, yeah. I'm going. I do you know how much I hate you right now? I how much? I real. I describe. I I really I really hate you right now, Sid. I wish I could. Wish I could put my put my hands through the microphone or through the computer screen, whatever, whatever works for me. Just put my hands through through, through Skype and just and just. Mm. Sid, I hate you so much. I, oh my god, I don't think I've ever hated another human being in my life, because I... I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, man, you, I know you were trying to sound trending, but that almost sounded like a dirty call right now. Oh, that, that's, that's great, Sid, thanks. I don't, I don't need, I don't need more, I don't need people shipping me with my, with my friends again. I already get enough of that on Twitter. 
Well, well, Sid, I- I'm happy for you that that you get to meet one of my favorite manga authors of all time. That's cool. That's real cool. I'm happy for you, man. I'm so, so happy for you. <laughs> uh, thank you. God, it, like, if I had the opportunity, I would... God... Uh, see, I, I, I think I know how you feel about the, uh, about the Tezuka, uh, exhibition now, cause if I had all the money in the world, I would so, sp- I would spend every penny of it to meet Yusei Matsui. It, I mean, like, I mean, I, I, I like Assassination Classroom a lot, but I, I feel like I've talked about it on the show before. I'm a, I'm an even bigger fan of his original work, Supernatural Detective Nero, which isn't licensed over here yet, but, uh, I mean, I'm hoping with the success of Assassination Classroom over here that maybe Viz will pick that up at some point. But God, I, re- I really, I can't believe, man, I, re- I, one of the few manga authors I actually want to meet. And he, of course he has to be over in New York. St. Louis really just gets the, pardon my colorful language, really gets the shit end of the stick in terms of like convention guests and shit. I just, ah, uh, man, that makes me really sad. This this reminds me of the time Nobuhiro Watsuki came to came to New York, and I had to miss out on that too. Hey, if it makes you feel any better, I'll buy a volume of Nero from like Amazon or whatever, like a Japanese volume, and I'll get him to sign that, and then I'll mail it. <gasps> will you? Will you really? Yeah, sure. P- p- I mean, I mean, you don't know. think of that as a late birthday gift. Oh my God! Yes, I, I mean, you know, I mean, if you can't, you don't. I mean, if you you don't have to go through the trouble. But I mean, it's not like it's not. I would like it or anything, Baka. <laughs> no, seriously, if you did that for me, I would like. I I I would I would do. I I I would be your slave. I would do anything you asked me to at that point. Let's not let's not get creepy. <laughs> No, oh no, we all we didn't already do that earlier. No, 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 we didn't. We didn't pass that barrier earlier where you were like, "Hey, I know you're trying to sound threatening, but it actually sounded really dirty." Way to go, Colton. <laughs> but no, that's cool. When, when is a when, when is when is that happening? By the way, we should probably tell our listeners. New York Comic Con is October sixth through the ninth, and so they don't haven't scheduled like when Matsui's like panel will be. But I would guess it'd probably be like on one of the busier days, Friday or Saturday. Oh man, those are the two big days for New York Comic Con. And you said you were definitely going, right? Oh yeah, I'm planning to do the entire four days this year. Well, since it'll, I don't know when I'll be in New York again after this year. Oh man, so, yeah. Well, I uh, all jealousy aside, I am very happy for you. Thank you. You know, you know what would be really cool. I wonder if maybe Viz will finally uh, pick up Nero because of this. Wouldn't that be really cool? It'd be awesome if they announced it at like New York Comic Con, like during the Matsui panel. That would be amazing. I would probably actually cry. I would buy the first volume of that first day, like no question. Oh my god! You should make just like earlier. With the, like, Oima contest thing, if, like, they do that, you should make a video of you reacting <laughs> to that news and crying. <laughs> we'll put it over, we'll put it on our YouTube thing. Uh, that, that would be pretty funny. Maybe I'll do that. Well, that was, uh, I know that probably took up a lot of time from the show. I'm sorry, like, I, I got kind of excited. I, I don't care. That was, that was, that's some really awesome news. I know, it's, I know, it's, and I sprung this on, like, Colton. We didn't discuss this beforehand, because I no. hadn't, like, received the news tip yet. No, like, if you, if we had discussed this ahead of time, I wouldn't have spent all that time, like, gushing over it. This is why we talk about the news ahead of time. But hey, it worked out. Like, that was an amazing reaction. <laughs> Was it really? It I'm was. So, like, so, 
like, you should, like, you're like, gasp of joy when, like, I announced it. You were like, <laughs> I can't help it. I, I love him. I love his work. I, I will read anything that guy draws. Like, I'm not kidding when I say, like, Nero is, like, one of my favorite manga of all time. And, I mean, I just, I, I love anything the guy does. Like, 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 next to Yusuke Murata and Eiichiro Oda, like, he's my guy. Like, I'm, I'm a slave to anything he reads, so. Except it's funny I say that because I haven't finished Assassination Classroom yet. But I need to get on that. Yeah, I definitely need to get on reading Nero, because I love Assassination Classroom. Nero is totally up my alley from what I've seen of it. Oh no, it's, it's amazing, seriously. Like, I don't, I don't, we'll, we'll talk about this another time, because I don't, I don't want to take too much time from the show, because, holy crap, I, I wasn't expecting that. That, that, that was a curveball. Okay, so we, we should probably talk about the next news story we were going to talk about after, um, after the California Gallery, which is, um... So, leading off of the Tesca stuff. Yeah, leading off with the Tesca stuff we were talking about, like, 20 minutes ago. <laughs> So, first off, apparently there's a there's a prequel manga to Astro Boy, which I did not know this. Did you know this, Sid? Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of, like, prequels and spinoffs to Tesca manga drawn by other artists. Like, there's Young Blackjack. This is, like, a prequel to Blackjack. And that got an anime last year. So I'm not surprised to hear about Astro Boy as this prequel manga. Yeah, but uh, j- just like with Young Blackjack, this Astro Boy prequel titled uh, Adam the Beginning is uh, getting an anime, apparently, so that's cool. I haven't read a lot of Astro Boy, but from the little I've read, I do enjoy it, so I think I'll probably check this out. Uh, this manga in particular, it is, uh, let's see, I believe it is done by uh, Masami Yuki, who was responsible for things such as uh, Pat Labor and uh, Birdie the Mighty, so that's that, I know people like those. I do. And uh, apparently works in collaboration with Tezuka Productions, so I think we can assume from there that this is somewhat official. And uh, Tezuka's son, Makoto Tezuka, also apparently handles the uh, editorial supervision as well, so... I I think think if Tezuka were alive today, he would probably approve of this manga from what it seems, I think. I don't know if I'm just making a baseless assumption, but, you know. Well, the only thing Tezuka wouldn't approve of is rap music. What, what do you feel? In, that, that's an in joke. Oh, <laughs> thanks. I love in jokes. Like, a long time ago. Oh boy. Um, we were running top anime openings like, tread on Animation Revelation. Yeah. And so I nominated the second opening of the 2003 Astro Boy because it's awesome. Hmm. And it didn't get past the first round because, like, people didn't like the part where it had rap in it. And there was literally a comment, I don't think Tesca would approve of rap music. (laughs) And I'll tell you, Tesca was a pretty progressive guy. I think he would have been perfectly okay with it. Oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah, no, but Astro Boy 2003 opening 2 is awesome. So, mm, okay, that's good to know. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> this seems interesting. I wasn't like too into young Blackjack. I don't think it really represented the character of Blackjack accurately, mm. but I don't think they can mess up Astro Boy's character because Astro Boy probably isn't even going to be in this because from what the synopsis says, it tells the story of what happens up until the birth of Astro Boy. So the ending of the manga is probably going to be when Astro is finally created. So it's more likely going to be about Tenma, Astro Boy's creator, and like the experiments he makes trying to make like an artificial life. Probably either like set in the time between after his son died and the time before he created Astro Boy. 
So mm-hmm. that seems interesting because Tenma is one of the like best characters in Astro Boy because he's kind of morally ambiguous. If it's about that, I think it'll be a good show. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping it'll be interesting. I'm definitely planning on checking it out when it uh, premieres. I'm more looking forward to like the new Astro Boy series that's being made. This French company. Oh uh, yeah. I really like the art style for that. Like people criticize it for being Oh, but those don't look like Hesca designs. But you know what? Layoff. Like they don't have to be strictly faithful to Tesca's art style. I think that the aesthetics of the show look really cool and I'm really looking forward to seeing how the show turns out because it looks really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Lack of Tesca designs be damned. Yeah, exactly. So looking forward to both of these. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to this too. Speaking of uh of of uh I guess what do you call it? Tangentially related to manga spin-offs or whatever. Yeah, created by other creators. Um so we've talked about uh Shonen Jump Plus before. It's basically the digital version of Shonen Jump with like a, a lot of like extra one-shot stories and other series that run exclusively on that app such as like I believe Tonkatsu DJ Akitaro runs on the app as well. I know that has an anime out right now, and I very much enjoy that. So, again, like like I said earlier, we can't get away from Tokyo Ghoul, because uh, Sui Ishida, basically the guy behind Tokyo Ghoul, got to draw and write a 69-page spin-off story about Hisoka, a character from Hunter x Hunter. Specifically, it explores Hisoka's past, so it's kind of like an origin story for him. Now, I've seen, like, snippets of this, and the art isn't, like, fully polished because it's more of a storyboard for, like, the idea than anything else. But it's still a... I haven't read through it, but I think that is pretty interesting in terms of, like, a concept of, like, Ahsoka's backstory. Mm-hmm. So I was hoping that, like, the English dub would publish it, but it doesn't seem like they will. Which is a shame because of how, like, relevant Ahsoka is in the current run of, like, Hunter x Hunter. And, like, kind of the stuff that's been going down in his battle with Prolo. And especially with how big Tokyo Ghoul is over here, too. Yeah, you know, both Hunter x Hunter and Tokyo Ghoul are really popular series. Like, this seems like a perfect, like, fit for the English jump in terms of, like, promoting both series. But maybe we'll hopefully see it, like, I don't know, maybe it'll be included with a future volume of Hunter x Hunter at some point. Or that, be, that available, nice. be available in some form, because I think I'd like to have this legally available. Until then, I might skim through it at some point when I have time. I would like to be able to read this, especially considering we, like, know almost nothing about Hisoka's past other than his favorite snack. I think that's literally, like, the only thing we know about him as a child, which is kind of funny. <laughs> that's essentially it. I'm hoping Jump maybe picks this up, you know, at least sometime down the line. I don't know. You never know. Apparently, big things are planned for Jump in June, so we might get this. Uh, I wonder what those could be. I can't wait. Uh... So, so what's the what's the next story about Sid? Mm, space, the final frontier. Uh, I was trying to like mimic the Tanami space promo, but like I forgot it. Uh. So instead, let's talk about Space Brothers. Space Brothers is super popular. When it was anime was hilarious. It was like one of the most popular like family shows, and the manga is critically acclaimed as well. I've read it. It's a very good series. And it's look into what it takes to become an astronaut, and also like the dream of exploring space. So it's all very inspiring, and I'm sure it's fueled the imaginations of a lot of kids in Japan. So, it's a nice thing that the Himawari 9 meteorological satellite that's going to launch sometime later this year with a rocket 
is going to carry artwork from Space Brothers, which is the first time in history a rocket has been decorated with manga art, which is pretty neat. And what's even neater is that the Dream Art Rocket Project is going to use two illustrations drawn by the creator of Space Brothers himself, one showing the manga's characters as kids, while the other depicts a rocket blasting off. And the artwork will also be composed of about 10,000 miniature drawings and photos collected from children all across Japan. Oh, wow. And the only requirement for the submissions is that they be about dreams. Oh, that's nice. Uh, a quote from Leiji Matsumoto, who is uh, another like acclaimed mangaka, who has made like such classic space series like Captain Harlock and Space Battleship Yamato, nineteen ninety nine, and this quote from him: "All the kids' dreams will become one work, so we hope that it will have the power to make their dreams come true." Mm, that is that is some really nice stuff. And that's pretty sweet, like, feeling the imaginations of kids all across Japan. Though I think it's actually open internationally, because apparently you can submit, like, artwork from anywhere. And they're not even limiting to kids. You don't have to be under 18 to actually submit artwork to this. Mm, okay. But by the time this episode will be out, you know, you're not going to be able to submit anything, because the deadline is June 12th. Oh. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, dreams. Space. Kids. Good stuff. That's some really awesome stuff. Like, that. that's just that's just a cool thing. Yeah. I need to start reading Space Brothers again. I haven't read it in such a long time. Uh, uh, t- t- take a guess as to whether I've read Space Brothers or not. Well, I think I know the answer. Yeah, I think we all know the answer. I mean, you told me before we started recording. Oh, yeah, that's right. I did. Oops. Yeah. But anyway, so apparently we got some more more live-action movie stuff to talk about. Yay! Live-action and movie adaptions of manga always turn out super well. I guess. I mean, I don't, I don't care. But... Say, can you talk about this stuff? Because I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, you know. Oh, man. Okay, so it's it's pretty easy to be skeptical of live-action movie adaptions of manga, because what is the last time they've turned out well? Uh, never. Never, exactly. And, 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 when, and, when's, and when's the last time, like, they've actually, you know, gotten off the ground and actually have finished producing? Like, to this day, stuff like the Cowboy Bebop movie and the Akira movie are still a thing, kind of, sort of, that... Yeah. Yeah, we still haven't we've seen barely anything for. Yeah, and for the longest time, we've also heard wind about James Cameron wanting to make a Battle Angel Alita film, and he's been wanting to make that since the late 90s, but then he went and made Avatar, and then he was like, "Oh, I'm going to make the Avatar sequels now." And they still haven't finished making those Avatar sequels because they keep pushing back the release date. And so I think now they're going to come out at like 2018, whatever. But finally, it seems that whether he's being attached to it or not, Fox is finally going to make the darn Battle Angel Alita film. It's like they've had enough. They're going to make this thing already. Huh, okay. So Robert Rodriguez known for making some pretty awesome, like, action films and some not-so-great-kids films. 
Spy Kids. That's Spy Kids one and two were okay, but the other Spy Kids sucked. But yeah, yeah, so he's attached to direct this, so it's in some decent hands. And James Cameron's still producing it, even though he's not going to be like I don't think actively involved with this project. And the tentative title for the film is Alita, Battle Angel. And the projected release date is July 20th, 2018. So, two years from now. So, that Battle Angel Alita movie, finally getting made, apparently. Mm, okay. Yeah, I need to read Battle Angel Alita. I've heard really good things about it. But, yeah, I just haven't gotten around to it. I, I like, know nothing about it, honestly. I've read a lot about it. Especially, like, the first series is, like, really great sci-fi stuff from what mm-hmm. I've heard but yeah I mean I'm not expecting anything from this film and I'm sure that once I do read the manga that if I go see the film and it's bad it's gonna really piss me off <laughs> <laughs> oh boy hey at least it's finally getting made right and you know the director isn't a bad director in terms of like just pure action stuff so whether it's like faithful to the source material or not like we might get a good action flick out of this. So, eh, here's open. Mm, yeah. Uh, speaking of more live action stuff, this one, I am um, not sure how I feel about this. So, apparently, the Size Those Women blog, they had reported a little while back that June Matsumoto was basically in line to lead a live action adaptation of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stardust Crusaders. But apparently, now they're saying that rumors are that the uh, the project is back and is being planned for a 2018 release with Kanto Yamazaki as the new candidate for uh, Jotaro Kujo, the main character, who you can actually see him in the in the most recent Death Note uh, TV drama on Crunchyroll, which um, from, from the little I've seen of that, uh, I'm, I'm looking at a picture of him right now. I don't know if I can imagine him as Jotaro Kujo. I don't know if I really can imagine. I'm, I'm just, I'm really not sure what a live-action adaptation of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure would be like. Like, I really can't imagine it turning out to be... Not, not like, bad, but not, like, all that great at the same time. I don't, what, what do you think of this, Sid? Well, with Parts 3 in particular, I imagine characters are all pretty, like, buff kind of dudes, you know? Yeah. Like, Kakyoin's probably the skittiest, like, gangliest of the bunch, but even he's pretty, like, ripped, so... Yeah, his his torso's pretty huge. So, kind of like a cute-looking guy playing Jotaro, that's kind of weird to me, you know? I know that the reason they're doing this is because Part Street doesn't really have any female characters, pretty much, and it's mostly battle-focused, so they want to attract a female audience with, like, an attractive lead, but it doesn't really look the part for me. What I will say is that I wouldn't be out of place for, like, a Wento or Rio adaption. Like, looking at him, he might be a good Narnia or, like, even Buccioletti. But, like, Part Street, Jotaro, eh, nah. I'm not really seeing it. Not seeing it. Yeah, I don't know. And, like, especially with Part 3, I can't imagine they're going to use real actors for the stands either. Like, if they want to make a live-action adaptation of Part 3, I feel like there's going to be a lot of CG involved. You're gonna need CG to make stands work. I mean, practical effects would only take you so far. Like, stands are like ethereal kind of creatures. Like, you can see through them to the, to the user, like, on the other side. Like, they're like spirits. So, if, like, actors might work for some of them, but then you got, like, stuff who aren't human-looking at all, which you're gonna need to use CGI for. 
And, like, CGI can work, like, but this is, like, a Japanese-produced movie, and Japanese, like, special effects are not great. No, they're they're really not. If this was Hollywood, like, there would be a chance. There wouldn't be a great chance, but there would be a chance for some good special effects work. But Japanese, like, produced films? I don't know. I mean, I'm not, not never saying never, but, like, I just from the record I've seen with live-action adaptions of manga properties... For Japanese film, it's not been great with special effects. Yeah, I I can't really imagine this turning out well. If they wanted to adapt a part of JoJo's that was going to attract a female audience, like they could have chosen Part Five. Like Part Five has like the prettiest quote unquote main cast. Yeah, part like, they're all super attractive boys, and then they all have fabulous costumes. Like, the setting is Italy, and it's a gorgeous setting. Like, if they were going to want to track a like, large female audience, Part 5 would be, like, the best one. Because it's, like, the most fabulous, quote-unquote, part. <laughs> yeah, Part 4, Diamond is Unbreakable, specifically, I think, is pretty much the transition from from that very, like... Fist of the North Star, Otokojuku kind of art style where everybody's all manly looking and buff and everybody looks like a, looks like a Sylvester Stallone or Arnold Schwarzenegger type of character, you know, all scary, intimidating and buff to like the more approachable, cuter, more appealing to women kind of art style that we've seen in JoJo's. Yes. Like you said, since part five and onward. Well, then Rocky's art style changes again in part six, and then gets more muscular as it goes along. Like, okay, Jolene, by the end of part six, is, like, super ripped compared to how <laughs> she started out in the beginning of the part. And then in part seven, like, it takes another huge departure, and, like, it completely looks different from anything that came before it. Wow. So... Like, JoJo's is always evolving in terms of art style. That's but, true, But, like, yeah. you wanted, like, the most, like, of the part with the most attractive male characters and the most, like, fashionable, like, costumes and beautiful, like, locations, that would be part five. Because of how young the characters are, the clothes they wear, and, like, the setting is Italy, and it's a pretty, like, colorful setting, so. Oh, yeah. Like... I, I feel like I'm a little more excited for the Full Metal Alchemist live action movie in comparison because I I can't really explain why, but I feel like that's going to do better because from what I've been reading, it seems like the director is really confident in some of the choices he's going to make for the movie. You know, with it being you know a one off story, it's not going to be like a continuous thing running through a bunch of movies. It's just going to be one movie, and I've seen in like other news stories and interviews how how confident he is in some of the effects, especially, like, he's also been particularly uh, hyping up how they're going to handle Alphonse and what they're going to do, how to portray him in live-action film. And so I I feel like his confidence, the the director of the live-action Fullmetal Alchemist movie's confidence, I think, makes me a little more excited to see that in particular. I mean, with this in particular, the JoJo live action, like, so far it looks like this is just, these are just a bunch of rumors, like, nothing is actually coming out of this just yet. So we don't really know much of, we don't really know much about it other than what's being rumored, but I just, I really can't imagine this, you know, working out and actually looking good. Yeah. Cause, cause like I said, they're, with part three in particular, that being the introduction of stands, they're gonna, they're gonna have to use a lot of CG for this, and it's just, 
I feel like it's going to be too much, and it's not going to look very good. Yeah. Never say never, but very skeptical about it. V- very skeptical. And how are they going to adapt all of that in one movie, too? They're going to have to skip a lot of stuff. Yeah, but there's a lot of stuff you can skip, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's true. Not that, not that they can't skip it. I feel like a lot of people wouldn't be too up in arms about it, but like... Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just hope it's handled well. But again, we're very skeptical. Um, so anyway, we talked about Jump Giga last time on the show, which is essentially, which is essentially Shonen Jump Next just rebranding itself again. Uh, we we explained it on the show last time that you know there was Akamaru Jump, which was basically a seasonal magazine full of like different one shots from new creators and even stuff from like well-established authors who have worked in Shonen Jump before and all that. And this particular magazine has gone through a lot of rebranding and a lot of changes throughout the years. But uh, uh, like we said last, last episode uh, it's being rebranded again to Shonen Jump Giga. And uh, it looks like the 26th issue of weekly Shonen Jump has basically revealed um, not the whole lineup, but a but a partial lineup of what's coming in the magazine this July on the twentieth. So it looks like we're going to be getting different work slash serials from basically authors who have worked with Shonen Jump before. I'm going to go over these really quickly. So we got Tokyo Seasonal Word Hunting from uh, Hiroshi Shibashi the author of uh, Neuro Rise of the Yokai Clan, and I'm assuming very short-lived series Illegal Rare. Uh, Shonen Jump describes it as a story of seasonal words drawn with beautiful lines. So I don't know if maybe it'll be like a calligraphy manga or something. I don't know. That's that's the that's the feeling I'm getting from this. Again, that there's no... Uh, some of these don't have a lot of, like, they have very minimal promotional art, so there's not really a lot to go off of, but that's what I assume maybe that particular series will be about. Sid, also stop me if you have anything you want to say about any of these, but, uh... No, I don't really have anything to say about this one. I haven't read Nura. I've read a little bit of it, and, like, I remember really liking the, really liking the line work with some of the art. Again, like it, some of it felt very, uh, calligraphal. I don't know if that's a word, but it just, it, it looked very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Very unique, very, uh, very antique, uh, like a very old Japanese kind of style. Like, I, I really liked it. I mean, then again, that series in particular was about yokai, so I mean, that makes sense, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to read more of Nura at some point. I remember liking the first chapter from what I read in, like, the preview when Print Shonen Jump was out over here, but, um, uh, let's see, the next series we got here is uh, Blue Archipelago Sapporo September by Yuto Tsukuda, who is the author of Food Wars, and is going to be illustrated by an artist called uh, Hirake, and will be a manga about a boy who meets a girl who is a genius at ski jumping. I'm a big fan of Food Wars, so I'm interested in reading this. Though, I kind of would prefer if it was about the girl instead of the boy who meets, like, the girl who's, like, actually doing the sport. Like, it seems kind of weird to make the main character not the participant in the sport. Well, I mean, hey, you never know. Maybe maybe she will be the main character, and it will probably... It'll probably be one of those things where we'll get to see the series from, from the boy's per- point of view, perspective. Yeah. I, I know that it's, like, shown in manga, but I kind of, like, would like to see more series from the female perspective, too. Like, they're, like, shoujo series that are from a male perspective, so I kind of, like, want to see more of the reverse, too. Mm, no, I can, I, can, I, can, I can understand that. Um, 
Still, just if I'm a fan of Food Wars, I'm interested in reading this if it ever gets legally translated. Yeah, I, I hope some of these get picked up or something because I would like to read some of these. Uh, uh, we have Verge of Death by uh, Kentaro Fukuda, who was the author of Devilly Man that ran as part of the Jumpstart initiative in the Viz Shonen Jump for three chapters. I enjoyed what I read of Devilly Man. Yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, so I'm interested in this series too. And it's interesting because it seems like Fukuda's art style for the series is more realistic kind of character designs in a yeah. way. Like, Devilly Man had much more gag, kind of exaggerated character designs with this. Like, especially with the way the female character is drawn, it seems a lot more mature-ish. Yeah. With more realistic proportions. So that's kind of interesting to me. So, and also the fact that it's a suspense story like that's kind of be kind of like a mystery kind of series like that's interesting to me so i'm i'm interested in this as well yeah that'd be nice to read and then we have Ginata style by Yu Miki who is the author of uh, Cyborg Rogi who that also ran as part of the Jumpstart initiative as well. I don't remember really being too into Cyborg Rogi when that was being published, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing more work from this particular artist. Uh, Jump describes the story as the story of a boy entranced by, by martial arts. So it'll probably be just sort of just an action manga, which I don't mind. Those are fun. Yeah, I also wasn't that big into Cyborg Rogi, but the character design for for this is seems like more appealing than, like, Rogi's character design was for me. So, yeah, no kidding. Like, the, the, the story description is, like, vague and kind of generic, but, you know, might have potential. Mm, yeah, I mean, to be fair, so, a lot of these are v- yeah, vague. Yeah, one-sentence descriptions and pretty vague, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's just how things go with Jump and just Japanese promotion in general. So we also have a Sahara of the Flower Samurai by Yusaku Shibita, or Shibata, who was the author of something called uh, Yoake Mono, which I feel like I might have seen that around, but I don't think that's really available at all over here, as, at least as far as I know. Jump describes it as a, a large-scale fantasy story, so eh, not really much to go off of there, but usually I'm not a particular fan of fantasy, but I don't know, maybe, maybe I'd give it a chance. Mm-hmm. I like fantasy, I like samurai, and just from like the character design, it seems like pretty interesting. Like just a, in terms of like all the details in like this character design, it seems like this is going to be like a, a fleshed out kind of world. I feel so. That would be nice. I haven't read Yoake Mono, but this seems like one that I might like get into. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Then the last series uh, that was reported on was uh, the Illusionary Commentary on the Kojiki by Kazuro Kiyo, who was the author of uh, Himedal, a new spin on the Japanese classic Kojiki, a document that depicts Japanese legends. Um, I'm interested in learning about Japanese legends, so that makes this series like interesting to me because I like learning about these kind of things. Yeah, I, I like learning about different Japanese like folk tales and mythology, so. Uh, which is why I would like to read like more yokai stuff, like what I mentioned with uh, Nura earlier. But yeah, I'd I'd like to read this. I'd like to learn more about Japanese stuff. So this seems like a pretty cool lineup, even though it's just a partial lineup so far. But like all these series, like they're f- it's nice to see some authors who haven't necessarily had great success in Jump before, like get another like go with this magazine. And a lot of these series seem 
a little bit different from like the kind of stuff that would be published in the mainstream Shonen Jump. Oh yeah, totally. This is a pretty cool lineup, and I hope all these series turn out really good, and hopefully we might get to read some of these at some point over here in English. Yeah, that would be nice. I would like to see Viz pick up some of these at some point, because, I mean, like we talked about in the last episode, Nisekoi and Toriko are going to be ending soon, and Jump could use an extra series or two after that. Mm-hmm. You know, there was an interesting tweet from Sakaki, who's an editor at Shonen Jump the other day, saying that they're working on a whole new Shonen Jump, and keep a year out for some big announcements coming in June. And so maybe, just maybe, we might get some uh, some of these series in our Jump, or they might be launching a whole new like supplementary magazine entirely. Like, that'd be pretty cool if that would happen. I'm not going to lie, like, say hypothetically, when Shonen Jump Giga launches... Say Viz and Sasaki decides, hey, we're going to give you an English alternative to Shonen Jump Giga, and it's going to be a completely new plan, completely new subscription that you have to pay for. Would you get it, Sid? Yes. Yeah, I I think I would too. Like, I wouldn't mind paying for another subscription just because Viz's weekly Shonen Jump, you only have to pay about $25.99, you know, yearly for a subscription. And, like, me personally... I feel a lot more comfortable paying for it yearly than I would monthly. I mean, it's cheaper, too. Oh, yeah. Shonen Jump and Viz have gone over before, like, how cheap it is to just buy a subscription compared to, like, buying each and every issue over the year for 99 cents an issue. When, when you buy a subscription to Weekly Shonen Jump from Viz, you are saving about half the money you would buying each issue individually. hmm So... I think personally, I I would be okay with buying another subscription because hypothetically, if that were to happen, I would support it. Yeah, if they were to do that, I would want to support this. Who knows if this is actually going to do this? For all we know, the big announcement is going to be like, "Oh, there's a new Naruto spinoff coming <laughs> that we're going to add to Jump." Isn't that great? More Naruto? Oh, Naruto's not enough. Well, how about this? More Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> See, that's the thing too. Every every time they tease some kind of announcement, it's usually just it's usually not what everybody, you know, expects or it's usually like like you said, like just more of the same thing that's, you know, that's guaranteed to sell something. And usually that's kind of disappointing, I won't lie, but I'm I'm really hoping they bring out something new this time. If if what Sasaki says is true, I'm like I'm really expecting something I'm I'm exce- I'm expecting something big. I really I'm really hoping they don't let us down with this. Yeah. Cuz I could really use more new stuff to read. That would be nice. I'm pretty satisfied with the lineup, but I just there are series that I'd love to see in English over here that I wish were added to jump. And I also really want to see a lot of series that might that aren't being like translated over here like get translated. So I would be, like, a big supporter of, like, if they were to make an English version of Jump Giga or, like, they were just to publish one or two more series in the English Jump. That that would be cool. So, basically, the last thing we have to go over is that Seven Seas decided to just license a bunch of stuff. Yeah. They had a whole week during the Memorial Day week. Every day, they announced, like, one or two new manga licenses. 
they kept that up for the whole week. And yeah, they licensed a whole bunch of series, a whole bunch of Yuri series in particular. It's really cool. Mm, so I think we can kind of go over some of these real quick. So what well, one of the first things I have listed here in my notes in particular is uh, they licensed something called Secret of the Princess by uh, Milk Morinaga and uh, is going to be released on February 14th, 2017. And it's essentially, uh, like Sid said, it's, uh, Seven Seas licensed a lot of Yuri stuff. And then, uh, well, you know, actually, I want, I want to go over real quick with the synopsis is because I, I, I'm kind of interested in some of these. So, so for this in particular, as read by Seven Seas, Fujiwara is the school's most admired student and captain of the volleyball team, but her reputation is at risk when she accidentally breaks the principal's most prized possession, a priceless vase. So, so, so suspenseful. That sounds familiar. (laughs) Uh, Fellow student Miyu witnesses the accident, and Fujiwara begs her not to tell. In exchange, she'll do whatever Miyu wants. It turns out that Miyu... Wants to date Fujimaru, so extortion. That sounds familiar. Hmm. Although this wasn't an arrangement that either girl expected, the two soon discover that breaking the vase may have been Destiny's way of bringing them together. This sounds like Oron crossed with Maid-sama. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, it's like the whole vase breaking thing. That's the first episode of Oron, and then like. Oh, that's funny. A girl getting blackmailed into, like, being in a relationship with a guy that's, like, made some. <laughs> that's, that's pretty, that's pretty funny. I don't know, that sounds, uh, that sounds like it could be cute. Yeah. I mean, unless there's, like, some weird, like, power dynamic. Oh, no. Like, that, uh, that would be kind of uncomfortable to read. Or, or at the very least, you know, if there is something like that, maybe the girl extorting the other girl will at least learn, hey, maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe extorting people is wrong. <laughs> maybe maybe that's not a good thing to do. Maybe, am I actually in love with this person? Oh, no. I'm hoping it's not too mean-spirited. Yeah, hopefully it's cute and not squicky. Yeah, please, no. And then Seven Seas is also licensing another of Milk Morinaga's series, Hana and Hina After School, another Yuri manga, and that's slated for next March, uh, specifically March 14th. And the synopsis reads, Hana and Hina are two high school girls working at the same character goods shop, but they're completely different from one another. Hana is petite, uncertain, and shy, while Hina is tall, confident, and trendy. Yet they share a secret. Their school has a strict policy against taking part-time jobs. Oh man! They also discover that both of them share an irresistible attraction to things that are cute, be it uniforms at their all-girls' school or each other. <laughs> Just how long will Hana and Hina be able to keep their after-school jobs and their feelings for each other a secret? Doesn't sound like it'll be as potentially mean-spirited as the other Milkbori Nagabanga. Oh yeah, this sounds like it'll just be cute, fun times. Yeah, I don't know. I'd give this a shot. Oh, Morinaga was the author of Girlfriends. I heard about that. I heard that's a pretty good Yuri series. Hmm. So these uh, series should have an audience over here. Like, I think Girlfriends is one of the more successful like Yuri manga that's been published over here. I, I think I think it's pretty cool that we're getting more Yuri manga over here to finally kind of fill that niche. I know some friends who are going to be happy about that. What was that, Sid? I know some friends who are going to be happy about that. Oh, yeah. 
friends who like Gary and stuff. See, the next series we have to talk about here is Kasei-san and Ellipses by Hiromi Takashima, who apparently the first volume entitled Kasei-san and Morning Glories is uh, slated for a release on February 28th, 2017. And uh, apparently this is more of a, like, uh, I don't know what you call it, more of an anthology kind of thing where... It's basically a collection of different short stories that can be read in order, or you can just read them as standalones. So that's kind of neat. So it's not like a continuous story, per se. The, the volumes all follow a romance between the clumsy, flower-adoring Yamada and the exuberant Kasei-san, their school's track and field star. Seven Seas describes story. Uh, Yamada may be shy and rather clumsy, but the flower gardens at her school have always brought her happiness. Suddenly, a different sort of beauty catches her eye. Wink. The vivacious track star Kasei-san. Although the two girls don't seem to have much in common, they soon start a romance where each must learn an important lesson in tending their budding relationship. Because, you know, flowers. Can the two girls, so different from each other, learn how to make their lives lo first love blossom? Okay, we get it. It's about flowers, Seven Seas. Uh, yeah, this seems like just a cute little series. Again, yeah, so, so, again something something cute. Uh, what, what, what's the next thing they licensed? The next thing they licensed, surprisingly enough, it's not a Yuri title. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. They've licensed Ghost Diary, which will be released next April. And the description is, Tsukami Kyochi comes from a family of exorcists, the strongest of whom has always been his sister, who keeps a special notebook by her side that details how to defeat even the most malevolent of ghosts. One day, shortly after his sister rescues young Koichi from a haunted shrine, she goes missing. Six years later, with only the notebook as his guide, Kyochi is confronted by someone claiming to have been his sister's friend. Who is this stranger? And what does she know about his sister's disappearance? So this is interesting. This is like a mystery, kind of supernatural kind of series. Yeah. We well. have a lot of... There's been a lot of, like, exorcist yokai manga... Oh, yeah. In recent years, but this kind of has an interesting premise that's a little different from, like, most of the shonen. I want to defeat Satan! Kind of uh, manga. So. <laughs> I, I can't imagine what manga you're referring to, but Seven Seas also makes a note that they're launching this particular title digitally on Barnes & Noble's uh, Nook platform. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of neat. They're launching many titles on uh, their new platform they're like expanding to the nook platform so that's pretty cool hmm, okay more availability for manga well that's good our next license we have here to talk about is uh kindred spirits on the roof which is apparently the manga companion to a uh, to a yuri visual novel seven seas will re release the series in a single omnibus volume on january 31st 2017 that's essentially it for that I don't know how I feel about manga based on visual novels. Well, maybe it's a good visual novel. Those exist. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, that that's true. I've just, I've read a few here and there that, like, I just wasn't a very big fan of. I don't, maybe visual novels just aren't my thing. Uh, apparently the visual novel for this uh, manga in particular has already been released on Steam. So if you enjoyed the, playing that on Steam, then you can read the manga version uh, in January. There you go. So, uh, here, read re re me another title, Sid. Yeah, now, stepping back from Yuri again, we have another, like, more kind of horror series, Tokyo Undead, Ooh. which is a zombie survival story. 
synopsis reads, after a man-made pathogen known as the K-Virus is accidentally released from field war labs in the heart of Tokyo, the city is overrun by flesh-eating zombies and the hopes of saving the last remaining survivors of this apocalypse. An organization known as Madara sends out its rookie member in a last-ditch effort to find a cure. Young Itachi must survive the zombie-rabbit streets of Tokyo while searching for the missing key that's integral to Japan's survival. You know, when I read this description, what I think of, I think of Itachi from Naruto, like, <laughs> fighting, like, in modern-day Tokyo, fighting zombies, and who have been created by Madara to, like, take over the world or something. That is a funny little coincidence right there. That I was just going to point that out myself. But I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind maybe giving it a try. I'm not usually a big fan of, like, zombie stuff, but, meh, it sounds all right. So... Yeah. Seven Seas is going to be releasing this in particular, in, in a, again, in a single omnibus volume on October 4th, 2016. So, hey, later this year. Mm-hmm. It sounds very similar to other, like, zombie manga, but, yeah, it's only, a, like, going to be one omnibus volume long. So, it might be worth reading if you're a really fan of zombie series. Yeah, like a, like a single a single volume. I, I, don't, I don't mind one-shots, so mm-hmm. it's not exactly too much of an investment, so that's good. But here, uh, let's see, one what, what of the next things we have here is uh, There's a Demon Lord on the Floor by Kawakami uh, Masaki and Hato. The, the first uh, volume of this is going to be released on February 28th, 2017. The synopsis reads, as such, Amon Patricia is a powerful Demon Lord who one day finds herself on the receiving end of a vicious attack by the Clan of Light. Fleeing to fight another day, Patricia finds herself in the human world. Looking to blend in, she immediately seeks work and finds herself on the doorstep of the Humming Dining Restaurant. She falls in love with their cooking immediately, and now the head chef has plenty more on his plate as he must satate, sate, I don't know. Sate, yes. Uh, As he must sate the demon lord's appetites while while slapping her into the perfect... Oh my god, slap, actually... Slapping would be like physical abuse. I'm pretty sure like he go to jail for that. Uh, yeah, you can't really do that to your employees. Oops, slip of the tongue. While shaping her into the perfect employee, though, you never know, that could have some kind of negative connotation as well. But I mean, I'm I'm, I'm just, I'm just, yeah. This this seems kind of offensive. You know, this actually sounds (laughs) a lot like Devil is a part-timer, just a little more moe. I'm really glad I'm not the only one who thought that. That's what it totally sounds like. Yeah, so... Uh, maybe it won't be a complete rip-off. Uh, <laughs> there'll be something like that sets it apart from that series. You never know. You never know. Execution could be different. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping so. And hopefully there won't be any slapping, because that, that would be horrible. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Anyway, so, uh, Sid, you want to talk about this last one? Uh, this last one is actually kind of interesting. Uh, the last license, at least. Girl from the Other Side, Seul Arun. It's slated for a January release, and it's a, kind of an interesting little series. Uh, the description is, In a world split between the inside and the outside, those living in both realms are told never to cross to the other side, lest they be cursed. A young girl named Shiva lives in a vacant village with a demonic guardian known only as Teacher. Though the two are forbidden to touch, they seem to share a bond that transcends their disparate appearances. But when Shiva leaves Teacher's care to seek out her grandmother, the secret behind her mysterious living arrangement comes to light. 
Now, this seems like a very interesting series, and I, I'm looking at the cover art here, and it looks really cool, like, in terms of the style and flatness of the colors, and not sure what to expect, but this feels like more of a kind of untraditional kind of indie-style story. And so I'm definitely interested in reading this. And I remember reading a comment from, like, a Seven Seas editor. When they saw the artwork for the series, they knew they just had to publish it. So mm. I'm expecting some really gorgeous art. Mm, okay, okay. I, th- I think this one might be the one I'm looking forward to the most mm-hmm. out of all of them. Because this, this actually seems really unique. The first volume of this is uh, slated for a release on January 10th, 2017. I completely forgot. We actually have one more after this. Mm-hmm. And this isn't a license, actually. It's an original manga. It's not like a made by an English creator, but an original like release by Seven Seas for North American audiences. Yeah, it's by it's a, a Japanese manga. Yeah, I was I was gonna say this is an original manga by. No, wait, come back. We promise. It's it's it doesn't sound that bad. <laughs> No, don't worry. This isn't Tokyo Pop being like, hey, read the manga for Finding Nemo and Alice in Wonderland and all that That's stuff. Tokyo Pop's bread and butter. Ah, uh, yeah. But no, this, this actually sounds a little more interesting than that. No, yeah. I mean, it's uh, another take on Alice in Wonderland. There's a lot of manga that, uh, you know, are kind of inspired by Alice in Wonderland. There's Alice in Murderland. There's bunch of them. And the, in this particular mangaka, uh, Mamanosuke Fujimura, has written uh, several like Alice in Wonderland-inspired manga, such as Alice in the Country of Clover and Alice in the Country of Hearts. And this new series, called Captive Hearts of Oz, will be an Otome-style uh, Wizard of Oz manga series. And so... So it's like Wizard of Oz, but, in, but styled like an Otome game. If you don't know what Otome games are, they're kind of like the equivalent of like kind of dating simulation game, but they're aimed at women. So like the goal of an Otome game is like to hook up with like a really attractive guy. Pretty much, yeah. So uh, I think Seven Seas knows their audience, I think, very well with this. And they got in a great like mangaka, like at least a very knowledgeable mangaka of this kind of series in terms of Alice in Wonderland like inspired work to draw this series. So it's kind of interesting. We don't see many manga uh, like specifically created for the North American manga, uh, for the North American market rather, come out. So this is an interesting like experiment and I'm going to be curious to see how well it does and what it leads to. Oh yeah, me too. Um, but yeah, it looks like there's uh, there's some there's some decent stuff in there from Seven Seas. Like yeah, a lot of Yuri stuff. I'm definitely interested in um, uh, the girl from the other side. I definitely want to check that out. Yeah, lots of really interesting stuff and lots of Yuri titles. I think that Seven Seas is definitely the biggest publisher of Yuri titles, and so I think that they're really found an audience that really appreciates those and uh, really happy to see more titles come out. And I think they've chosen some good titles, and I'm really looking forward to see how they grow. Yeah, I, I think I think it'll be cool. Um, mm-hmm. So finally, we're done with the news, which means we're we're done with the show, right, Sid? Uh, no, actually, because oh, we're not done we yet. Questions. Oh, fine. I guess we'll answer some questions. That's right. We got some questions here from my friends over at Animation Revelation in the uh, Manga Mavericks thread. And uh, we got two questions here. 
So first up is a question from my friend Spark of Spirit. He writes, here's a question for you guys. When Nisekoi and Torko end, or Bleach does, what would you each like to see replace them in the North American version? Mm. And then he lists some series that probably would be the best candidates to fill their places. Kimetsu no Yaiba, Salmon the Summoners, Straighten Up, Takawa Batsu, and Mononofu. And he's discounting Yuna because that didn't even get a jump start over here. <laughs> so what would you say? Which one do you think would be <sighs> the would like replace Nizikoi or Toriko or Bleach? Which would you see coming into the English Shonen Jump? Uh, well, I mean... I completely forgot about all those. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I had to pick like out of those, I'd like to see Kimitsu no Yaiba come back because everything else that was just listed, I kind of don't care about uh, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Sid. I know how much you like straighten up, but I just couldn't get into it. Did you read more of it? I, after the jumpstart run? No. Cause I just, I didn't have any interest at all. I'm sorry. Well, I love Straight Enough. I think it's a great series. Well, well, here, it's really I really it's not the kind of thing I'd want to read weekly, honestly. Like, I feel like I'd rather read it... I, I think I'd rather read it when I know it's been collected. Okay. But I would enjoy reading it weekly, so I would hope... I mean, I, I'm trying to answer this question just from a standpoint of what might be the most realistic expectations or just and also what i've seen are the most requested and so in that sense i think that stuff that are newer and require less like effort to jump into would probably be better candidates so kometsu no yaiba is very recent it just came out like earlier this year and people have been demanding that so i think that would be like something Riz would go for yeah then going back after that Mononofu, like, that's a series that got a huge reaction out of people over here. People really enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed it. And listening to the podcast, like, a lot of people who are working on it, Viz really enjoyed it. So I think that is a series that has a good chance. And Sam of the Summer didn't have a great reception, but when you look at the polls, like, it's extremely successful. And, like, recently, uh, one of the directors of Gintama... Uh, Shinji Takamatsu, I think? No, it was uh, it was Yoichi Fujita, because it was also... He also directed parts of Gintama, or I guess most of Gintama, but he most importantly just recently directed Osamatsu-san. Right, right. So he came out recently and said he would really like to direct a Sam in the Summer anime. And so I think that Sam in the Summer is a series that is is picking up in popularity in Japan, and it might catch on over here in the States as well. So that's another series, and that's also not too, like, old a series, so that could also, like, potentially get in. So I think those three, out of anything, have the best chance. And then, aside from that, Takawanabatsu, it's too early to say if that's going to even stick around. I kind of don't see it sticking around, just because Jump is so full up on, like, successful series, and even wet stuff ending... Like, there's still going to be new stuff coming in, and I don't know if Chakawan and Batsu really, like, has anything to offer that Salmon, the Summoner, or Yuna Viragi Manor aren't offering in terms of comedy and, like, fan service. So, 
Let, let me let me put it this way: I wouldn't exactly lose sleep at night if Takuan and Batsu were were to be canceled. Yeah, and then straighten up. Straighten up's doing like well. It's it's not dipping too low in rankings. It's staying usually in the middle. But at this point, I think it's been a year since like it, the Jumpstart was first done. And I think that since then we've had like newer series with as much positive reception as Straighten Up has gotten. So like I think it would just be easier for Viz to like in terms of simul publishing series and adding series to jump to choose newer titles like Mononofu or Shimetsu no Yaba or Sam the Summer over Straighten Up. But I still think that if Straighten Up continues to do well, and if people continue to demand it, then eventually Viz will like release it in like volume format at the very least. But I will say that before any of these get into the magazine, Haikyuu is going to be coming. Because Viz is seriously pushing Haikyuu with one volume every month releases until they catch up. They have a lot of confidence in it. The anime is extremely popular over here. Whichever ends first, Nisikori Toriko, that is going to be the first thing they added to the jump lineup. And I 100% fully expect that. See, I feel like I feel like if they really wanted Haikyuu in the magazine, they would have done so already. There hasn't been room. They've said that they don't want to add like a new weekly series until like something ends because they already have a lot in their plate. Oh, okay. Hmm. Assassination Classroom sells really well for Jump. Like, it sold really well for Jump when it first, like, started got released, and it still sells well. But they never added it shown in Jump during, like, the time it was still being published because they just were so full up on series, and, like, nothing was ending. So, see, see, they just I never added it. See, I heard it was, I thought, I heard part of the reason was also because of the whole Bitch Sensei thing. No, I think they got past that, like, I don't think they even call her a bitch sensei in the manga version. Oh, do they not? No, I don't think they do. I remember skimming through it and like mm-hmm. noticing that they didn't call her bitch sensei in the manga. Huh, so, interesting. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, there's a reason why they didn't like put Assassination Classroom in English Jump, even though the manga sells well for Viz. But now with stuff ending, like Misekoi, Torko, and... Bleach hopefully coming to their ends sooner than later, then there's going to be space for new stuff to come in. And before any of the like other recent like stuff that's been running on Jump Stars get put in, High Q is going to be the first thing they add. I just I guarantee it. I think that that's just it's not even a question to me. That's definitely what they're going to do. Yeah, I I, I hope so because I honestly I, I I don't know if I could read a sports series weekly. I'm really not sure if I could. Well, the big problem with Haikyuu, if you haven't already read it, is that it's 200 plus chapters in. So yeah, that's an that's have to, and they they're just starting to release the volumes. So, and like the anime, like you can guess catch up with like the first 150 word chapters if you watch like the two seasons of the anime that are are out right now. But then there's still going to be like 50 chapters you're going to have to like go out and try and find scans for. Which aren't, isn't going to be hard, but, like, still, there's a lot of work you're going to need to do to, like, follow what's going on with Haikyuu if they add it into the English jump if you aren't already caught up with it. Yeah, that's another, that's another hill to climb up. Yeah. But I think that answers that question, though. Mm-hmm. And a second question from my friend Dr. Insatsu Ken. 
Out of curiosity, are you guys ever planning to do any episodes dedicated to certain mangaka, such as Tezuka, Takehiko, Urasawa, Togashi, etc.? I'd love to listen to something like that. And I think this is something we've discussed and we are interested in like doing something like that at some point, right? Yeah, I, I, I think I think we could we could do something like that. I think it I think it depends on who we want to talk about and who we both are interested in, I think. Right. With Yusei Matsui like coming to New York Comic Con in October, like maybe we could do an episode about him at some point around that time. Yeah, because I, 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 hmm. I definitely plan to read Nero like before the end of the summer. I did try rereading Nero for another uh, guest podcast I was on, but uh, I uh, I didn't get as far as I wanted to for that particular show. So I might just continue doing that and maybe finally finish Assassination Classroom at some point. So I would love to talk about Yusei Matsui personally, and I, I would love to hear Sid's thoughts on Matsui's stuff. You know outside of assassination classroom. So I think, sure. Why don't, why don't we shoot for a Matsui episode sometime this year? Great. And then like, what other like mangaka would you be interested in like talking about? Man, um, that's a really good question. Maybe, maybe a manga author that I don't think it's talked about enough would maybe be, uh, I, I think Takehiko Inoue maybe, maybe deserves some discussion at some point. Oh, definitely. That'd be a great one. And then there's definitely a lot of lesser-known authors who, like, do, like, kind of indie work. Like, Yoshihiro Tatsumi, I'm a big fan about. And, like, even in Japan, no one really knows him, even though he was such a like, integral part of the Gekiga movement. Oh, wow. So that's, wow. like, Mugaka hmm. I'd love to talk about. Uh, there's, like, other, like, great artists, like Makoyo Ano, Natsumi hmm. I I'd be interested in reading more authors from that period of Gekiga and when that was uh when that was being developed. I know Takao Saito uh was a part of that movement as well, you know, the author of uh, Gogo 13. But yeah, I guess like I said, it really it really depends on like who we want to talk about personally and who we are interested in, like we were just discussing. I I would love to if one of us wants to talk about an author and the other is willing to maybe read up on some of their work in preparation, then I think that's what it pretty much boils down to. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm definitely game for talking about Tesca and Urasawa and Tagashi. Like, there's a whole bunch of mangaka I'd love to talk about. So, like, whenever we can schedule it, and, like, if as long as it doesn't require, like, too much reading on either of our parts, like, to prepare for it, I think it would be great. Yeah, it, it really depends on... Like like I said, it depends on who we want to talk about and how much time we want to give ourselves to kind of prepare for something like that. Because uh, me and Sid constantly talk about trying to do something other than just reporting on the news all the time. Which I mean, I think I think at this point, you know, that's that's sort of our bread and butter. That's what we kind of like to talk about the most. But I mean, every once in a while, you know, I I wouldn't mind personally maybe trying to do something a little outside the norm. We don't always want to do the same thing every episode because at some point people, it, it, it might get stale for some people and we understand that. But again, it really, it really just kind of depends on like how much time the both of us have to prepare for something like that, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think I, in the first episode we did, we kind of talked that maybe at some point we'll do a Takahashi episode, but you know, that's going to take a lot of reading on like Colton's part. <laughs> And even if we wanted to talk about Tezuka, I 
man, I have not read enough Tezuka to to really be able to talk about him honestly. So that would take a lot of reading on my part too, honestly. Yeah. But it's definitely like Takiko in a way. You say Matsui. I think those are two we should shoot for like sometime. Yeah, I think definitely Matsui we should shoot for first, and then at some point after that, uh, try try to get to talking about Inoue, because I do love his work, and out of all of the manga authors I love reading their works from, I he's probably the one I get to talk about the least, because I've talked about... I've had chances to talk about people like Yusuke Murata and, you know, Hideaki Sirachi, and, you know, just off the top of my head, I've... I've I've gotten chances on other podcasts to talk about certain other people, and I kind of want to focus on people that I haven't gotten the chance to talk about too much on other podcasts, at least. Like, it really depends. It depends on a lot of things, but we'll, we'll, we'll try for something. We'll try for Matsui, at least. I think that's the plan. Yeah. So look forward to a Yusei Matsui episode sometime around October, let's say. Yeah, that gives us a couple of months. I, I mean, I'll probably finish rereading Nero before then. Use a Matsui New York Comic Con special. Yeah, there you go. And, and hey, maybe, hey, Sid, maybe get him to listen to it. <laughs> oh, man, that'd be great. Oh, if I could get an interview with him. That, see, nah, that... I probably can't. Yeah, the, yeah, we know. Let's, let's, let's not make any promises we can't keep. I was, I was mostly being facetious. Like, you just, like, you just stop him in the middle of the, like, of the, like the convention hall and be like, Matsui, I love you. Please listen to this podcast thing. And he'll go, <laughs> what's a podcast? <laughs> <sighs> Wouldn't be something if he did. Yeah, we we don't want to scare him off from coming back to America, though. That 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 be that be a shame. But yeah, I, I think that answers that question. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. And I think that does it for the show. Yeah, we we talked about a lot more than I thought we would actually today. So thank you guys for listening to this episode of Manga Mavericks. Uh, Sid, uh, where can the good people find you? Yes, you can find me as Lum Ramayasha on Twitter. And my anime list and animation revelation, and you can follow my art blog at uh, Sid Gupta's awesome art blog. And then, um, yeah, that's uh, basically where you can find me. And I write uh, manga reviews for AllComic.com, mainly Seven Deadly Sins and Fairy Tale, but planning to do some volume reviews for a few series in the near future uh, we talked a lot about pokemon adventures and i might have a review for a pokemon adventures while you coming out soon well, that sounds pretty neat mm-hmm. so look forward to more of my uh reading more of my reviews on allcomic.com and maybe after the jump on animation revelation if i ever get back to doing that even though i'm working now so that's gonna be a bit more challenging all right well Go, go ahead and find all of Sid's stuff. Go read his reviews and check him out on Twitter and whatnot. As for me, personally, you can uh, find me, Colton, on Twitter at SniperKing323. That's S-N-I-P-E-R-K-I-N-G-323. You can also uh, listen to my other podcasts as well. I, I know I do more than one. I am a huge fan of Gintama. Therefore, I have a podcast called Life Lessons, the Gintama manga cast, where... We like to cover the Gintama manga through the old Viz release that was unfortunately canceled back in 2011 from the very beginning. And you can find that at gintalifelessons.wordpress.com. If you want to hear me talk about Toriko, there's heavenlykings.wordpress.com. You want to hear me talk about Detective Conan slash Case Closed, that you can go to one podcast prevails at onepodcastprevails.wordpress.com. 
And um, as for Maga Mavericks specifically, uh, you can follow us on facebook.com slash all.comic. And you can also follow us on twitter.com slash allcomic underscore. And you can pretty much find this episode and the rest of our podcast on uh, allcomic.com in general. If you want to email us anything about uh, manga, you want to ask us a question, you know, we'll uh, email us anything manga related at uh, mangamavericks at gmail.com and we'll read it on the show. But the most important thing is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. That definitely helps us gain a little more uh, uh, publicity on iTunes. That, That always helps. So... I think that's about it for the show. I actually have to be getting to work soon. So from all of us here at allcomic.com and uh, from myself, from Sid, thank you for listening to Maga Mavericks. This has been episode 10, and we will see you guys in the next two weeks for episode 11. Bye, guys. Sayonara. Sayonara.